Hi, welcome to Forgive and Forget's podcast. I'm Vic. I am sparring with the topic of boundaries lately. My management issues with mom have been a bit challenging and in another situation I have inadvertently created something that now needs adjusting. Uh, It really isn't the other person that's pushing, it's me who created the expectation in the first place. Here's a question for this intelligent audience. Does setting boundaries always involve talking with the other person? Or can I rectify the problem on my end by digesting my time and energy around them? Any takers on the answer? Well, how about both being true? Both are boundary practices. I may not have created the situation. You may not have created a situation. But my response is, as always, totally up to me. And if I have to have that conversation, I will, awkward and tough as it may be. Or I can simply keep my distance. I know I've talked about boundaries before, probably ad nauseum, but I can't apologize for that because it is an essential practice as caregivers and the rest of our life in general. The thing with boundaries is that they are invisible. People don't know what our boundaries are, and those with lousy manners tend to roll over people. Even worse, they don't care. They just want what they want, which is really, no offense intended, truly, no different than caring for our loved one. They too roll over us, but at least we understand or we need to remember it's because of their dementia, not their ego. For example, mom has no idea how seriously and even critically she blows up my boundaries, especially in the earlier days of my caring for her. She also doesn't know, this is a good part of it, when I am protecting my limitations and boundaries. We can take the same tutorial outside caregiving with the people in our lives, coworkers, people we run into, well, not literally on that one, into traffic (laughs) and the grocery store, at the gym or hiking for daily exercise, taking the kids or grandkids to soccer practice, whatever. In today's podcast, I will be specific with setting and protecting your boundaries as an easy task with easy ways to keep them in place as a caregiver, but also show how these same practices are relevant and doable outside the walls of your caregiving world. So let's get started. First, I think it's interesting to stop and take a closer look at what shapes our boundaries in the first place, the values that lead us to set a boundary in the first place, and then protect it. The simple answer is your culture, your heritage, family dynamics, how you were raised, and your own life experiences. If, for instance, you were raised by the, <laughs> by the Corleone family, your values are going to be a little bit different than if you were raised by the Waltons or the Ingle family. 
But aside from the obvious culture, heritage, and family, studies show that the most influential factor in how boundaries are set from the values shaped throughout your lifetime is due to the people you spend the most time with. In that outside world, a very important practice that we can do for ourselves is simply taking a closer look at who we are around, paying attention to what they are doing to us, and asking, is that okay? I found a few people in my orbit where their presence in my life was not okay. Their presence had become detrimental because it was trespassing into my ability to care for myself and mom. I got to say, though, that tough circumstances really have the gift of peeling off outer layers of something or someone that isn't great for us and disclosing more of its truth. Caregiving sure makes us reach a lot deeper because it requires more from us. We are face-to-face with choices of integrity and courage and changing, becoming better people if we choose to become better people, right? What about the pandemic? Did that uncover information about others and yourself that you otherwise would not have seen? I've had to make choices, maybe, and probably a bit too abruptly, not very proud of that, because I just didn't have the energy to find the diplomacy to handle it any better. So the questions you can ask yourself occasionally are, who am I around? What are they doing to me? And is that okay? Now, the answer could be that everyone around you is fine. But if not, learning to say no, making adjustments to spend less time or no time around the less stellar influences frees up so much of your mental space and energy, more than we think. What do we do when the toughest and maybe the most harmful influence on our health and time is our very own loved one. My mom was, she didn't know, but that didn't change the fact that she's still the toughest part of my life. What can we do though? I worked with what I had, which wasn't much, but I enlisted help, I delegated tasks, and never underestimate the size of the task that you delegate. Every little bit helps. This also looked like my not answering the phone every time mom called. This looked like not doing everything mom requested of me or everything that I felt I had to do. Find relief within your own circumstance. It's there. I know it may not be much, but it's there. One thing I keep in mind that makes it easier to delegate enlist help, not answer the phone, or do yet one more task is, are you ready? Remembering that their behavior isn't personal. Mom's behavior, your loved one's behavior, stems from dementia, not something I did or didn't do or that you did or didn't do. Mom's reactions and conduct are driven by Alzheimer's not because of something I did or didn't do. 
And when I saw firsthand that putting my needs in the mix made no difference to the disease, my needs made no significant difference to the outcome, like whether I answered the phone or didn't answer the phone when mom called. I didn't do what she asked or didn't do what I felt I had to do for her. And what I saw was, what I experienced is I can take a little bit better care of me. Of course, I still, to the best of my ability, make sure that mom is safe, calm, and happy. But I found that the boundaries that mattered for a better me could still be in place and not make much of a difference to mom or the disease. As for the people I need to limit time with or boot out altogether, I keep in mind the phrase, you may have heard it, but it's a goodie, you teach people how to treat you. When someone outside our loved one has inadvertently crossed your line, you either speak up or you don't. You can speak up by making silent adjustments around these people with them never being the wiser. You can distance yourself from these people without ever saying a word. That being said, is there any difference really to silently making adjustments with this other person who should know better and our loved one who isn't capable of knowing better? No, there isn't. So it goes back to first remembering this isn't personal, which makes it easier for you to make changes and adjustments quietly. As for the people who should know better, it isn't personal either. These people are not responding to something we did. We may have triggered something, but their conduct, their response, their actions were shaped long before I crossed their path. They already had their own set of values, background, culture, heritage, Corleone family dynamics, and their own experiences. It isn't personal. As I said, I just happen to be the person who triggered something in them that they are not handling very well and parting my hair over. Their response is more about them and their background than whatever I triggered. And it also shows their true character. It shows us who they really are. I mean, look at some of the political clowns out there that respond to how they respond to intelligent, straightforward facts. So I may not immediately remember these rules of thumb that their reaction comes from a background I had nothing to do with or that mom's reaction comes from dementia. Either one is not personal, but I did learn to remember this eventually. And when I do, I can get back on track a lot quicker than I used to. If you simply need to protect your time, here are some kind ways of saying no. Maybe practice these gentle phrases until they become comfortable because I know saying no can be uncomfortable. You can say things like, gosh, I'm, I'm glad you considered me, but unfortunately I'll have to pass this time. I'm so grateful that you asked. Thank you, but I cannot attend. Regrettably, I'm unable to join you. 
Unfortunately, I cannot, but thank you for thinking of me. No, thank you, but it sure sounds lovely. You know, oftentimes you may think that you need to further explain yourself. You do not. Make your statement and remain silent. If I am pressed, I say I have a prior commitment. And if they press further than that, I just let the silence make its awkward point for about three or four seconds. It's a long three or four seconds. And then I ask a question and change the subject. Another question for this intelligent audience, why is speaking up so hard? Most people don't like confrontation. You may be afraid that if you speak up, you will make the situation worse or the opinion of you will change. You may be afraid of offending the other person. Maybe you're intimidated and even scared of the other person. Here's one that I boxed with for at least two decades, that my opinion doesn't matter, so what's the difference? Or that I'm being perceived as complaining too much. But here's the thing. You are entitled to your feelings, no matter what they are, no matter how absurd you think they are, especially the ones you don't share with anybody, you're entitled to them. You have a right to be treated with fairness and respect. You have a right to make your needs as important as anyone else's. You have a right not to meet others' unreasonable expectations of you. You have a right to make mistakes, have failures, and still be loved and accepted. These are rights I am reminding you of because we have these rights as a caregiver and as a fellow human being. I'm going to extend this podcast just a little bit uh, because I want to give a little bit more information on the person who goes too far. These are the people that leave you feeling numb, confused, and even angry. You rarely know where you stand or you never quite meet their expectations. And they're so critical of you that you find you're asking yourself, is it me? (laughs) Yes, this could be describing our job as a caregiver, but I'm talking about people who are a rung lower than the average ill-mannered person. These are people that are skillful when it comes to controlling and manipulation. Questions you can ask yourself when you are confused by someone are, am I comfortable, proud, and happy around these people? Or am I regretful, self-conscious, and sad? If you have someone in your life that makes you question yourself or doesn't respect what is important to you, meaning your values, bear in mind asking yourself these questions. These three questions immediately clear up whether it is you or the other person and whether this is crossing a boundary line or not. Ask yourself, is what they are doing kind? Is what they are doing necessary? And is the outcome for the better? What I mean by this is you can feel when they are being unkind, unfair, or unreasonable. You can feel whether they are offering constructive criticism, loving guidance, or being manipulative and mean-spirited. 
And finally, you can feel whether the outcome is helping or hurting you. Asking these questions will help you discern whether it's you or the other person. And it will help you discern whether what is happening is crossing your boundary line. If you choose to speak up, actually speak up, here are some guidelines. Be specific. Let them know you feel that their expectations are unrealistic of you, as opposed to their expectations being generally unrealistic. Keep the discussion focused on you. Tell them what you need from them. Your tone can be gentle, yet assertive and clear. This isn't being pushy. You're not pushing their boundaries. You're simply protecting yours in a very respectful way. Ever witness someone speaking up for themselves? What is it that we see exactly or what what is it that we connect with? We see bravery, strength, and we see these things even if their voice and confidence are shaky. They still set a boundary and they still stand up for themselves. Finally, Be cautious and aware of the person who dismisses your needs. This looks like they defend their behavior and they don't change. They turn it around and criticize you. They never take responsibility for anything. And they do what they feel is best, not what you asked. The point of today's podcast is to give you ideas that preserve your needs being met. And if they're not, what happens over time is an underlying anger and growing resentment, and this becomes a way of life. This is when our health becomes at risk. Nothing and no one has the right to be disrespectful of you or your time. Not dementia, not your job as a caregiver, Nothing and no one has the right to blow out your boundaries. Nothing and no one is worth compromising yourself this way. These are tangible, doable ideas that keep the people who drain your resources, who are harmful to your time and energy at a distance. Whether that means you have distanced yourself from this person imperceptibly or have taken steps where they are out of your orbit altogether. Remembering bad manners comes from backgrounds that you had nothing to do with. And remembering that dementia comes from a disease you had nothing to do with makes it not personal. It makes it a bit softer and a little less guilty to make adjustments to respect boundaries. They keep you in the objective arena, not the emotional arena. My mom, your loved one, can't make these changes for you. God love them. And others rarely make the changes that you need. Adapt the practice to set boundaries. Have the self-compassion to set boundaries. Man, it's always fascinating to me that what I need to learn in caring for mom works brilliantly in my personal life. (laughs) Thanks for sticking with me. See you back here soon. Please take good care. Bye-bye.